Hello everybody, welcome back to Better Than Bad. I'm your host Jess and today I'm joined by a very special guest because I'm joined by Claire. Hiya. Hello, hi. How are you? I'm all right. Uh, Yeah, I'm excited to be here. Uh, Just off air, you apologised for making me watch a bad movie which has become my life over the last few years so it's all good with me. She's used to it by now, guys. She's used to it by now. Yeah. Yes, I am. And sometimes it's just by choice. I have very poor taste. So some of the films I like just are considered bad. So do you want to tell the people who we're going to be talking about today? Yes. So we are talking about the actress Melissa McCarthy, uh, known to many as larger-than-life comedian. Though personally, I enjoy her more straight roles. I like a bit of drama mm-hmm. from Miss McCarthy. I put out a list on Twitter and I had a list of actors that I wanted to discuss. Melissa McCarthy was on there. What what made you pick her out of that list? Um, I think it's because I tend to either love or hate what she's in um, mm. because she tends to either do these lovely kind of more serious roles, which I adore, or she can do some really broad comedies, some of which I love, like a Bridesmaids. And I'm very pro uh, the Ghostbusters as well mm-hmm. um, but then she does things like Spy which despite myself I did laugh I did laugh at Spy but <laughs> <laughs> it's not my kind of film it's not the kind yeah. of film I want to watch and if she wasn't in it I would have never watched it so mm-hmm. I find her a real like she always brings something and she's always fun to talk about because her filmography is quite varied even though it's mm-hmm. not mm. Yeah, she's a really interesting one. And when I was sort of doing my research on her, because I'd seen um, plenty of films of hers uh, throughout the years, but when I actually dove a little bit more into her filmography, just like reading up on it, I was like, oh, she's been in a really broad spectrum of films and TV shows. It took her so long to break out because, like, I think Mm -hmm. for a lot of people, her breakout role was Bridesmaids. For me, Mm -hmm. her breakout role was as Suki in Gilmore Girls. But then, Mm -hmm. you know, she's, what, fifth, sixth build in Gilmore Girls? Um, But, like, she was working even before that. Like, she's there's so many films that she just turns up in, like, a blink and you'll miss it, like, barely their role because she just persevered, bless her, and she really kept going. Yeah, it's quite inspiring. As an actor myself, it's quite inspiring to see. Mm. I always, because, you know, we have this thing in our, we're always told this, like, you want to, you know, make it while you're young. Uh, and it's always really nice to see people who have to kind of just graft a little bit and then they mm-hmm. eventually have their breakthrough role a little bit older. Um, it's always yeah. nice to see that. And I, I remember listening to a podcast of someone and they were talking about it and they're like, to the outside world, everyone's like, oh, you just need one big break. But they're like, there isn't one big break. It's tons of tiny little breaks mm-hmm. that eventually lead to a break that feels big on to outsiders looking in. But when you're mm-hmm. in it, it's just the same as all the others. For those who may not know who Melissa McCarthy is, um, she is an American actress, comedian, producer, writer, and she's also a fashion designer, which I did not realise. She has a fashion lineup. Um, she has won two Primetime Emmy Awards and she's been nominated for two Academy Awards. And she's probably best known for her roles in Bridesmaids and Can You Ever Forgive Me? So her highest rated film, funny funny you mentioned that you she was in a lot of things where it was a blink and you'll miss her moment. Because mm-hmm. um, her highest rated film is actually uh, The Life of David Gale with 7.5 oh. stars. However, when I looked at the the billing for that 
when I say you had to scroll for an age to find <laughs> Melissa McCarthy's name, she's listed as Nico the Goth Girl. Um, I wow. went online to try and find like clips of her to see if she was in it enough to warrant us watching it. Couldn't find any clips. I'm sure there's someone who's watched the film and is going to be like, no, she's in it a lot. And I'll have made a huge mistake. The uh, whole plot <laughs> revolves around her. Nico the Goth Girl is <laughs> the most important character of our time. So there'll be someone who can maybe correct my mistake, but just in case we watched the film and she was in it for 0.5 seconds, I decided <laughs> to go one below that. Um, and her second highest rated film was a film called St. Vincent, which had 7.2 stars on IMDb and a 78% score on Rotten Tomatoes. And her lowest rated film was a film called Cook Off, which had 4.1 stars on IMDb and a 25% rating on Rotten Tomatoes. Um, I thought we'd start off by talking about cook-off. Mm-hmm. So, uh, some facts and everything for the listeners. This poor film. <laughs> <laughs> There's a lot. So this film, we'll start off with, so it has 4.1 stars on IMDb. Like I said, Rotten Tomatoes rating of 25%. The, the release of this film, I don't know if you read up on this. The release of this film is the strangest thing I've ever heard. It's It's... I remember seeing the poster before I watched it, before I read anything, and my brain already clocked based on the poster. I was like, this is going to be one of those films that never saw the light of day, and then Melissa McCarthy got really popular, Mm -hmm. and then they decided to throw it out and shove her name all over the poster. Yeah. So it premiered um, at the US Comedy Arts Festival in February of 2007. It was then shelved for a decade... (laughs) and had its official wider release in November of 2017 when Lionsgate decided to release it. Um, and I was like, when I read that, I was like, oh, that's that's a long time. But then I put that in perspective of myself and my own life. And I was like, in February of 2007, I would have been in year seven of school. So that's the first year of secondary school. And by the time it actually was released properly, I had finished university. <laughs> So for mine, what would that be? 2007, I was in my first year at university, young, innocent, bright-eyed, bushy-tailed. But 2017, I had gone through a number of breakups, a number of deaths, a couple of careers, quite a few cars. So yeah, Mm -hmm. decade can be a long time for us all. And I completely agree with you that I think this was something that got shelved because they, you know, for whatever reason. And then Melissa McCarthy got, famous basically Mm -hmm. and because when you look at the trajectory of her career she doesn't bridesmaids doesn't come out until 2011 and then after that it's like skyrockets her career she's almost becomes the face of comedy I think you could almost argue definitely like the female face of comedy Mm -hmm. in mainstream media 100% it was like let's get a Melissa McCarthy type in that lead role Mm mm-hmm and it's funny because she's in the centre of the poster. Like, everyone who's listening, go and Google the poster for this. It's she's in the middle poster. of the poster. It's awful. It's atrocious. But she's in the middle of this poster. And, like, she, and here's the thing. She's in this film for about 10 minutes. Yeah. <laughs> and I kept being, while I was watching it, I was like, when's she going to turn up? And mm. then when she turned up, I was like, oh, it's going to be, like, a scene stealing, like, takes over the second half of the film. And, no, she has, like... The, the two scenes and then she's disqualified and yeah. off she goes and I was like oh okay bye 
So for those who haven't seen this film, um, I'm sure you're not leaping to watch it. But <laughs> if, if, if you want to know what it's about, it's basically a group of very quirky people who are competing in a famed amateur cooking contest for the grand prize of $1 million. Um, it was directed by Catherine Mitchin, um, who also plays Sharon in the film. And she also wrote it and it's based off of a book that she also wrote. I mean, you know what? Get your bags, sis. Go on. Get, get, <laughs> do what you got to do. Uh, make your money. Um, she had an idea and she went, ran with it. To just give you a brief idea of what some of the critics thought about it, um, John DeFore of The Hollywood Reporter said of it, cook off, pile some better than this comedians into a culinary competition whose dishes look as unpalatable as the film itself. Yeah, ouch. I mean, it is ouch. But is it wrong? No. <laughs> and this is the thing. I don't know about you, but for me, when I try, I watch a film, I always try and find some redeeming qualities about it. I always try and lean in because I know, you know, making films is is a passion for people. Mm-hmm. There's there's a lot of effort and energy that goes into it. And we all know that people who love film, they want, they want a film to be good. You don't go to a film th- thinking, I want this to be bad. Mm-hmm. Um and I sat down and watched this. And I, I also have to preface this by saying these sorts of very like slapstick late night comedy type things that aren't necessarily always my thing. It's very hit mm-hmm. and miss. Um, I have to be in the right mood for it. I have to. Mm-hmm. And yeah, sometimes I love them. Sometimes I hate them. And um, I watched this last night once I got in from work. I was tired. <laughs> <laughs> it maybe wasn't the best time to watch it, but it was the only time I had. And it's just, it has all the hallmarks of that mid-2000s bad comedy, I think. Yeah, I think trying to, like, being nice to it, I totally see what they were going for. And I totally mm. see what the end game was. It just missed the mark like the the mm-hmm. they're going for all of this they got it's a mockumentary it probably came it was probably filmed what 2007 so the office is taking off mm-hmm. it really reminded me of the 90s film drop dead gorgeous the mockumentary about a beauty pageant so like i see what she's going for but mm-hmm. the jokes just don't land the humor isn't yeah. there the characters are too unrelatable we've not got like the best thing about drop dead gorgeous is you have the kirsten dunce character who Mm -hmm. she's really sweet but she's she's got a bit of normality to her and she thinks everything that's going on is insane Mm -hmm. this just doesn't have that kind of avatar for the audience and the the problem the the biggest problem is as a comedy the jokes just aren't funny Mm -hmm. and then the delayed release and then for us watching it, God, 2023, mm. the jokes not only aren't funny, but they're ridiculously dated. Yeah. And I think that would have been the same in 2017 as yeah. well. The landscape for comedy changed so much within that mm. decade. Um, what was deemed as okay in the 2000s to joke about was not okay to joke about in 2017 and certainly not now in 2023. And, and so when the landscape changed... though. It's just actually just the joke, the humour changed as well. Yeah. And it's that, sort of the the sort of I guess grotesque comedy mm-hmm. as well like all the disgusting um, food, food mm-hmm. <laughs> and all that and you're looking at it going at some point I imagine someone would have found this really funny yeah. um yeah. but unfortunately I am not that person and it you know I'm glad you mentioned Drop Dead Gorgeous because I was thinking about that today and how that's a, a sort of mockumentary style comedy that although at points is dated still works mm-hmm. because at the at 
like the fundamental part of it is that it's still funny. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, the one thing I did write down though was that I think the cast were absolutely one hundred percent invested in this. Yeah, they were. They all seemed they like they wanted all. to be there. Yeah, I wondered yeah. how much of it because they were all like watching it. It's kind of a host of kind of where do I recognize them from comedy mm-hmm. stars um like there was one girl in it and my housemate walked past my room and she was like oh that's Jan Brady and I was like oh my god it is Jan Brady yeah um and like there was just uh, everyone there's you know Minister McCarthy's um bridesmaids co-star and um, is it Catherine Michonne no that's the writer sorry Wendy uh Wendy McLendon Covey yeah so she was in Bridesmaids with McCarthy she's in this and you've just got like a whole host of loads of comedic stars and I wondered how much of it was improv like on the day and what was it a fun set and you know it's that kind of thing we say a lot on the RW rated podcast mm. that you can imagine that on the, in these script rooms and on these sets it's a bunch of people who are friends who are just finding themselves in each other hysterical mm. and it just does not translate when you record it yeah they're all like oh my god that was so funny write that down and then yeah. everybody else watches it and they're like what yeah um, I and like to bring it into Melissa I think that <laughs> she was like my favorite part of the film and I'm not even just saying that because we're doing a Melissa McCarthy. <laughs> um when she cut popped up as I actually felt sorry for her character. You needed an underdog like that kind mm. of a bit more throughout like everything keeps going wrong but she perseveres but unfortunately everything went wrong and she did not persevere. Yeah. I like the one moment I laughed like the singular moment <laughs> was when <laughs> she she was running with the pan of whatever she had made I don't even know what she was trying to make and then she just fell and hit yeah. the, hit the ground and then got up and was like I'm gonna go I'm gonna go and I think that sort of a testament to her as an actor is that when she's in these comedy um films projects mm-hmm. she is fully like in it invested in it because oh so you know, physical yeah and I think that that takes a certain type of actor as well to be able to like throw all inhibitions out the window and be like you want me to fall over flat on my face I'll do it <laughs> you know you want me to do it all she'll do it like and I think it, it does take a certain actor to be willing to just go you want me to look silly fine yeah. and certain people wouldn't want to do that but she absolutely you know 100% is always invested in the characters that she's playing Absolutely, yeah. And it's that game attitude. And she does come on the screen, like like you said, she's in it for like maybe 10 minutes, but your eyes are on her when she's there. One of the things, though, that I did see when I was doing a little bit of reading about how it had been held was between 2007 and between its release and in 2017, they took out 20 minutes and added mm. in 22 minutes. And mm. I did wonder if they put in more of her maybe because in 2007 so she she did Gilmore Girls when I was reading up between 2000 and 2007 was when Gilmore Girls ran and you know she she had other little bits here and there but nothing particularly major Mm -hmm. um in that time frame so it's quite possible that she was in this and was just this small like tiny little role off the side um 
because it's and just, that she was it. Introduction. She doesn't get an introduction yeah. and she doesn't get an ending. And it's just this weird 10 minute interlude that suddenly all of the focus is on her and then it's over and we go back to the main story. So I was like, mm. I wonder if that was meant to be a smaller bit. And then on the day they recorded Lois because she was funny and they're improvising. Um, yeah. But yeah, it just, I was like, I'd love to know what the 20 minutes they took out were and what the 22 minutes that they put back in were. Mm. I'm fascinated by that. Just because it seemed a bit of a messy edit anyway. So I'm like, yeah. what did you do when you re-edited this because <laughs> she was you know for the in terms of the actual release she would have been the pull because oh yeah um commercially she's the most no like recognizable of the bunch um it's just such a strange thing to happen like it be shelved for a decade <laughs> and then they go mm, melissa mccarthy yes <laughs> we'll throw her this film out there because it will you know in the hopes that it'll get I guess the money. Um, I love it happens so much though. Like I'm pretty sure like was it maybe Bradley Cooper? Because Bradley Cooper was another one of those that he uh-huh. hustled for so long before he actually like quote unquote made it. And I'm sure I've seen so many like weirdly photoshopped DVD covers of Bradley Cooper films and you're like, huh, <laughs> when did he make those? Yeah, and this is like <laughs> right at the beginning of his career when he's just like a small bit part in it. And you're just like, what? what? <laughs> where where, where did you get this? Yeah, like just all the execs Googling him in their internal systems. Like to a quick internal search. Oh, yeah, we have four projects that, you know, flopped. Let's re-release them. Yeah, because people, the thing is, like, I and I'm guilty of this. When I like an actor, I will go back and I will watch as many mm. things of theirs as possible. So it's quite you know possible at that point that Melissa McCarthy you know very popular still is and people go back and watch everything she's been in so you release something like this and it's like oh, okay well you know we've got um this other film of hers watch this and it gets them more money but then the problem is if it doesn't live up to what is now expected of Melissa McCarthy it becomes this sort of awkward moment where everyone's watching this film that I think one reviewer described it as being well past its sell-by date and <laughs> it's true like it's been a decade on the shelf <laughs> thing is the day of streaming it doesn't matter because like if I pop on to Netflix and I want to watch Bridesmaids and Bridesmaids isn't on Netflix they'll be like but we have these other films starring Melissa McCarthy and they'll be like ah that looks silly I'll give it a go and Netflix have my money yeah Exactly. <laughs> it's so yeah. easy nowadays. I think you could generally put this onto a streaming service. Oh, yeah. And there would be loads of people who would watch it because it has yeah. Melissa McCarthy in it. Yeah. Um, I'm almost happy for people that it's not on a streaming service. <laughs> um, but yeah, overall, it's just one of those sort of very like dire kind of comedy films that there was a lot of them that were being made in the 2000s mm. that was sort of the, they were the pick of the bunch at the time. It was like everybody was making these weird kind of wacky comedies. And cheap um, to make as well. Like I mm-hmm. doubt this cost, like the sets all look like real houses and a, a real auditorium, like where they do mm-hmm. the, the cook off in. So like, it's cheap. It might be yeah. funny. It was an earlier time. Like, yeah. I think, if, I think it had a good intention. I think it probably had hoped to be funny. And there were points where I saw like glimmers of the idea that they had, like when the husband is talking about his job in insurance and he goes, um, I wasn't in Vietnam, but it's exactly like that. Like You have <laughs> moments like that where you're like, okay, it just never quite reached its full potential, I guess. And yeah. you kind of, 
you sort of roll your eyes a bit and you watch it and you're like, okay. Um, but, and I think it's true what you said, like it's it's cheap to make. That mockumentary style will always be slightly cheaper to make mm-hmm. uh, because you can kind of get away with filming it in a very messy way because it's, you know, it's a documentary style. It doesn't need to be like clean um, for it to work. And uh, yeah, it just, it sort of just fell a bit flat. But Melissa McCarthy was great. Yeah, she was. She she is. She lights up a room. She commands a scene. She, like you said, she gives all her performances her all. So it was nice when she did turn yeah. up. I really want to know if the line where she's talking about her arthritis was um, improved. <laughs> when she's like, I, he usually opens the cans for me. I've got a bit of arthritis. I was like, there's. I just feel like she made that up on the spot. Yeah, yeah like couldn't find the actual can opener. And it's like, oh, I can't open these just yelling i need my can opener i just like everything about like genuinely she was the 10 minutes that she was there she was great and i kept hoping that she was going to come back when she got disqualified i kept hoping Mm. there was going to be some kind of like weird reveal at the end where she came back and won or something but she was the muffin man (laughs) but she never reappeared i was like so i mean if you want to watch if you just want to watch the 10 minutes that Melissa McCarthy's in, feel free. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I think that's about, yeah, that is about it, really. Um, mm. And I hope that all of the actors enjoyed themselves and that they made friends with each other because I think a lot of them have gone on to better work. And I hope mm-hmm. that this was just a good networking opportunity for them all. Yeah. And I think from the looks of it, they were all, they all knew each other from mm-hmm. the from the way that it sort of seemed to be made it seems like they all kind of knew each other and were friends of friends and you know if if you're gonna use nepotism one way at least do it with <laughs> friends <laughs> absolutely is there any other little stand-up moments or anything you want to mention before we uh, move on to the next film no i just think i was really pleased to see jennifer elise cox um who is the the actress that played jan brady in the brady bunch uh movies it was really nice to see her in something else and she did a very similar unhinged unhappy daughter um role and I just was like good for her I like her I hope she does well like I hope she's doing well (laughs) um but yeah otherwise I was just like cool some funny people did a not funny film (laughs) next (laughs) yeah I did really like the bit where she's like you're a has-been and then her (laughs) mum's just like I'm not a has-been I'm not a (laughs) has-been there's probably someone out there who thinks this is the funniest film ever made like wow they must be really happy (laughs) (laughs) really content (laughs) i want that level of just easy joy in my life (laughs) they're listening to this podcast right now and they're like what do you mean you don't think cook-off's funny (laughs) (laughs) so we'll move on to her highest rated film um, on IMDb which is St. Vincent um, so it has 7.2 stars on IMDb with a Rotten Tomatoes rating of 78%. The film premiered at TIFF in September of 2014 and had a wider US release in October of the same year. It's directed and written by Theodore Melfi and it stars Bill Murray who plays a very miserable retired war veteran called Vincent whose new neighbours interrupt his life. McCarthy plays a single mother working in a hospital whose long shifts prevent her from being able to look after her son after he's finished school. So she hires Vincent to babysit her son Oliver and he discovers that despite his rough exterior, Vincent is actually quite kind at heart. Um, Now I don't know about you but I was quite surprised that this was her highest. I just... 
assumed it was Bridesmaids. And even mm-hmm. though I knew we were talking about these two films, it was like three or four days ago. I was like, sorry, I really need to go back and reread what we're, we're doing here because why am I not watching Bridesmaids? <laughs> yeah, and I was I was really surprised. I assumed it would either be Bridesmaids or um, Can You Ever Forgive Me? Like that's I, I genuinely thought that was what, where it was going to head. So when I, I looked on there and, and, you know, the first one being her bit part moment mm-hmm. in Life of David Girl and then having this one underneath, I was like, very strange. And this is, you know, IMDb is a pretty weird metric to use, mm-hmm. I guess, for this purpose because people, it's, you know, users who are voting for this and, you know, everyone has different um, opinions on on films. Um, but I was very surprised that it wasn't Bridesmaids. I really was. I I then, I see, I had that initial thing and then about five seconds later, I was like, oh, wait, people have issues with all-female comedies and people love Bill Murray. <laughs> I was like, oh, yeah, that checks out. There it is. Um, <laughs> sexism strikes again. Um, yep. <laughs> so had you had you seen this film before? Is this the first time you'd ever seen this film? This was the first time I'd ever seen it and I was so delighted to finally have like a reason to watch it because mm-hmm. I remember when it came out, I really wanted to see it. But at the time I was living in Greater London, but that annoying bit of South East London where mm-hmm. they only show, even though there's like a hundred cinemas, they only show the big blockbusters and you have to go into the city if you want to watch anything even remotely independent. Yeah. And I guess in 2017, I just didn't have it in me to get a train into London for an hour to watch a movie. How yeah. the times have changed. Now I'll do all sorts. <laughs> um, but so I missed it. It came and went. And I remember hearing how good it was. And it see- I remember seeing the trailer and thinking it looked wonderful. So I was really pleased that I would finally have the opportunity to watch it. Yeah, I'd never heard of this film. I'd never, um, uh, yeah, literally never heard of it, never seen it before. Um, and I must admit that I was pleasantly surprised by it. I um I enjoyed myself. <laughs> I enjoyed yeah. myself watching it. I thought so sorry, I was saying twenty seventeen there, it came out twenty fourteen, but same same. Twenty fourteen I was I definitely didn't have the time to go anywhere. I was a teacher. Um, <laughs> but yeah, like it's such a lovely, lovely film. Mm-hmm. It's very sentimental and I think for a lot of people they'll be like, oh sentimental film. And it is it's kind of again of that time around the 2010s there were all Mm -hmm. those really sentimental comedies that were coming out and uh, well even before that it was you know just that was the type of film that everybody loved to watch this film really reminded me of um as good as it gets have you ever seen that i haven't that's been on my list for ages and it's not streaming anywhere currently (laughs) Yeah, it's uh, Jack Nicholson and Helen Hunt. Uh, it's one of my like guilty pleasure romance romantic comedies. Mm-hmm. Uh, I heard this great it's... knitwear. Yeah, <laughs> really good just... knitwear. And like you know, Jack Nicholson plays a grumpy man who everyone thinks is horrible, but then they discover that actually maybe he's not, um, and he's actually kind of kind. Um, and that when I was watching it, I was like, this is as good as it gets without the romance plot. <laughs> Well, so um, when I was watching it, I was like, oh, I love, I love a canon. They're, they're kind of two, but they're similar, of either unlikely, inappropriate age relationships, but wholesomely. So, like, mm-hmm. you know, you've got a 70 or an 80-year-old man hanging out with, what, a 12-year-old kid? Or I'm not mm-hmm. sure how old he was meant to be. Yeah. But, so, like, that's an inappropriate age gap, but it's wholesome, not seedy. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's a few films like that. Or Annoying Neighbour, 
with heart of gold breaks into disgruntled neighbor who like with a hard exterior because mm-hmm. there's an Andrew Arn film called Driveways which came out in the pandemic which is very similar mm. like an old veteran who has a very quiet life and um, a single mum and she's struggling to like afford to heat the house and things like that and they he makes an unlikely friendship with her young son and then like even this year there was a man called Otto with Tom Hanks where his annoying neighbour like forces him like she's like we will be friends and I'm like I just love the wholesomeness of it because I want a really kindly neighbour and their <laughs> child to come and befriend me yeah and it's just like it's just a sweet film like I was watching it I was like if you like I would always say to people you know if you want a nice little warm fuzzy film this you know watch St Vincent it was it was cute it was a really cute little film um some really good performances all round Mm -hmm. there were a few um (laughs) things that I was like why'd they put that in like um Naomi Watts's character don't really understand the the necessity I I came into I, I I ended up really warming to her by the end I yeah think i loved her i think the issue i had with it was did she need to be doing the accent could she either <laughs> could a they have just hired i believe she was meant to be russian so a yeah. could they not have just hired a russian actress or b could she just have done it as an american yeah it was very strange to have her be russian and but she when doesn't... they end up when they end up at the hospital and she's getting them all snacks i was like okay i love her i'm sold on her yeah, she's a gem she... By the time we got to the end of the film, I was like, okay, she's 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 a a nice addition to the to the plot, but she doesn't necessarily push the plot forward in any way. No. <laughs> and that's not necessarily that's not like a necessity for every single character. Um, but I where all these characters seem to be kind of teaching some kind of life lesson, I was struggling to see what I, hers was. I think hers would probably be like similar to Vin's one, which is like don't judge a book by its yeah. cover because you see her and she's unwed pulled pregnant pole dancer mm-hmm. and it's implied that she's only friendly with Vin because he pays for her services. Mm-hmm. But by the end of the film, like they have such a good relationship that like there is genuine care there mm-hmm. and she values him in her life as much as he values her companionship. Yeah. Definitely. And it's just their dynamic was quite um, cute to watch. Mm-hmm. I thought the dynamic between um, the son, Oliver, and Vincent was obviously that's what the film hinges on, um, was really lovely to see. And I think the relationship between Oliver and, and you know, his mum, played by Melissa McCarthy, was really mm-hmm. nice to see as well. And I think, I think Melissa McCarthy does a fantastic job in this she's not again she's not in it a a huge amount um she's in it much more than she's in cook-off but Mm -hmm. she's 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 very much a supporting role in this but she she does an absolutely stellar job oh i thought she's so wonderful in it because she it could be a really flat character like she plays a single mum neighbour who works too hard and is annoyed because her ex cheated on her. Like, that could Mm. be so flat and so transparent. But it's so lovely and so multifaceted. And she's able, like, she brings all of the anger when things go wrong, but she brings all of the vulnerability when she finally, like, lets down her exterior. And then she just has the humour when she wants to. Like, Mm. she does every layer of what a real person is Mm -hmm. um and I just like like her relationship with the young son 
like when they're walking down the street and he's like I know you're mad because dad cheated on you and she's like how did you know that and he's like because you tell everyone and she's like yeah I do it's like oh, yeah. like just a tiny little exchange but I was like oh that's perfect they hadn't really like they they managed to show the relationship between like a, a parent and a child really well like a child of that age really mm-hmm. well because he's still young enough to kind of be very reliant on his parents but old enough to have his own opinions and I think sometimes films can kind of skip that moment um that age range and skip onto like you know stroppy teenager or mm-hmm. whatever and this had a really a nice dynamic with them where it was like no I'm gonna be honest with you but it was always coming from this place of like I'm not trying to piss you off it's just mm-hmm. I'm I've noticed this and they were yeah. having like real conversations rather than her talking down to him and mm-hmm. um I, I found that quite a nice little dynamic to watch I don't know about you no absolutely it it, it was that it was like a we are a team now we were a family now we've lost a member of our family so now we are going to be a team and I'm going to have to occasionally make you do things that maybe you as a child is not ready for but Mm. in unison I'm going to talk to you like an adult and let you in on things and let you talk to me like an adult too which is yeah yeah and the the the, gets into a whole bunch of different things in this film um you know you know discussions of divorce and uh, you know the whole custody battle um as we said like kind of teaching not to judge a book by its cover um the discussions around like grief and death like there's all this stuff in here but it's done in this very like nice little sentimental package where you don't feel like you're kind of like being bogged down by all of these very heavy subjects you just feel quite happy when you see that the you know the the characters have reached an end point that is nice for them yeah and it it isn't afraid to play with the emotions and the tone because like there's a bit where everything's going really well and then there's a bit where something very tragic happens followed by something else quite tragic and Mm. I was like oh my god and I was like oh no like where are we going here and it made me so sad and then you know it brings it back around in that very sentimental way but I do I always enjoy a film that's not afraid to be a little bit sentimental and Mm -hmm. I think McCarthy has a lot to do with that like obviously this is Bill Murray's film he is you know the titular Saint Vincent and he is in pretty much what 90% of the movie Mm. and he is carrying it with his charisma with his humor with his performance but McCarthy's role is the pure heart even though it's kind of you feel like it's going to be the kid because she she plays a nurse and she's got such a caring attitude and you know everything is on the line for her and every action has a consequence for her Mm. and I just think yeah like she brings that that sincerity to it and made me want to cry yeah and she's just there's something about melissa mccarthy that whenever i see her in anything i'm very drawn to her as an actor i find that unless she's playing a role that is deliberately meant to be you know the villain or hated Mm -hmm. 
you're always sort of rooting for her to a certain extent. She has this ability to kind of really draw the audience in and mm-hmm. get them on her side. And that's a mixture of good writing, good direction, but also just her ability to mm-hmm. kind of com- have, she has such presence on screen. Yeah. She commands the screen when she's on it and she knows what she's doing. I feel like for the most part now, I haven't seen all of her films. I haven't seen that, was it Thundersource uh, film mm. on Netflix? I skipped that one. But for the most part, I do feel like when working with a good director, she knows where the line is as well. Because mm-hmm. in Bridesmaids, I really disliked her character up until the turning point where she's the one that reaches out to Annie and mm-hmm. she's the one that gives Annie the tough love. And suddenly you get this whole other side to her character that mm-hmm. makes all of it make sense. And then you're like, wow, like she's an awesome character. Um, and I think she knows just how how to play it on the side of I'm going to be the most annoying person in the world but I'm still going to make you fall in love with me yeah (laughs) (laughs) and she's just like I just think she's an absolute star like Mm -hmm. and I don't need to tell anybody that they can see it for themselves but it's just like I whenever I see her I just think yes I you know I'm I'm invested in her career I I want to see things this again reminded me that there's plenty that I haven't seen of hers that I need to get mm-hmm. around to seeing um because I just you know I'm so, for someone who does a film podcast sometimes I can be really bad at watching films and I'll just oh, like same, forget same. Um, and there's so much of hers like I've never seen um can you ever forgive me it's so wonderful it yeah. absolutely destroyed me and do you know what? I told myself I was going to watch it before we did this podcast episode because I was like, I should watch it. I should know what I'm talking about, about Melissa McCarthy. Did I get round to it? Of course I didn't. <laughs> I just, I would say like, pop, bump it up your list a little bit because it is, well, like her performance is phenomenal. Mm. And like you're, you're saying you find her that way already. So it will absolutely work for you. Um, and it's a similar tone to this, but without the humour. So like it's it's the like the drama side of this and then a bit more. I'm really excited to see her as Ursula. I'm oh I'm so because Little Mermaid is my favourite. Are you film. nervous? <laughs> I just I'm doing the thing where I'm like, if it doesn't work for me, it doesn't matter because the original still exists. This mm. movie in no way, shape or form changes anything about the 1989 animated classic that <laughs> film's still there and i can watch it whenever i want and um, so i am insanely insanely apprehensive yeah. um i don't think she's a bad casting choice it's more the entire film and that entire subgenre of live action disney films that has me on the has my heckles up and um, yeah but i'll i'll go see it and i hope that i can come out of it even if i think it looks as bad visually as I feel like the trailer still looks um I hope that I can at least praise the performances but I'm excited to see her performance because it'd be interesting mm-hmm. to see what she brings to it playing a very stereotypical villain um <laughs> who doesn't really have many redeeming qualities at all other than the fact that she's kind of fabulous um <laughs> she's, like, uh, she's fabulous <laughs> yeah she's absolutely I love like Ursula is awful but fabulous oh yeah like <laughs> she's a horrible person but amazing <laughs> she's she's top tier villain I was just gonna say as well is that that her first kind of toe dip into actual like IP like she mm-hmm. worked loads but for the most part actually she has been one of the few people in the last 10 years still just doing 
original i guess ghostbusters was ip um mm-hmm. but for the most and maybe that's what turned her off because she's pretty much only done like original story drama or comedy she's done original films so i think after ghostbusters this might be her first kind of dip into yeah. the big franchise world um so i adore ghostbusters so i hope it's as good as Ghostbusters, but for a lot of people, that would be an insult. Um, yeah, so I, I hope understand it, the hate for Ghostbusters 2016. I thought it was fun. <laughs> I had a great... The first time I watched it, I came out, I was like, that was really fun. It was very silly. Three and a half stars. Nice night at the movies. And everyone mm. hated it. And then I just ended up catching it again on like Sky Movies or something, like maybe later that year. And I was like, I really enjoyed this. And then every year I just got the urge to watch it again and now it's probably one of my like most watched modern movies and it just gives me so much comfort because I love all of those Mm. actresses I find them all hysterical I love Paul Feig as a director so I'm like you guys still have Bill Murray Bill Murray's film ain't gone anywhere just let the girls cook um so I have to remember that when I get really mad at the snoo little moment yeah you just had Don't. all of the words that were for this episode, by the way. That you were like, you still have Bill Murray. Bill Murray's in St. Vincent. Let the girls cook, cook off. We're bringing it all together. <laughs> um, but no, it's like, yeah, I had a great time with Ghostbusters. And this is the thing, there are like another, I've, because her other lowest rated film was Tammy, which I have never seen. Um, and I've heard awful things about. Um, but I think she had that sort of string of like, comedy films that were very hit and miss and i mean See, you've said I, this yourself i've not seen tammy mm. i remember hearing some okay things about it and i remember hearing that it was grossly misrepresented as a comedy and that was the biggest issue that's not really a comedy film so i am i kind of didn't want to watch it and i haven't watched it but I must go back and actually give it a go because I think that might have been one of those expectation versus realities issues. Mm, interesting. Someone can correct me because I've not seen it, so I'm just really making things up. But we'll see. Yeah, sometimes they, they do, sometimes films are sort of marketed wrong. <laughs> oh, so wrong. Like, I went to see some Ben Stiller film called Ben's Status, which I thought was going to be like kind of quirky offbeat indie comedy oh my god it was so miserable, was really miserable. oh my god i hated it i hated it you go in there thinking you're about to have a good time you come out depressed oh, I, had a t- I had a terrible time um, but yeah she just yeah i hate it when that happens it's just like oh this, this really wasn't what i was expecting no. it's like have you seen that poster i think it's like the french poster for parasite and it oh, looks yeah. like a it looks like a like a comedy film i'm like yeah. they, people are gonna go into that and be shocked yeah absolutely uh marketing departments what oh. curious creatures they are <laughs> but um if we just sort of we've we've briefly discussed it but like talking about her career obviously we said that she she really had to work her way up um the ladder and uh i was going through and seeing that she 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 was in the film called the kid which i remember watching in the cinema but i wouldn't have remembered the fact that she played the waitress um (laughs) she's like her first ever job was um on the jenny mccarthy show she was in one episode um jenny mccarthy for those who don't know was a ex-Playboy Bunny, who just so happens to be Melissa McCarthy's cousin. Nepotism! Um, Do you know what? Sometimes 
nepotism works that's what i'm saying <laughs> <laughs> it ain't all bad but like if it brings us melissa mccarthy sure um, it's not bad when it works out well <laughs> yes um she was in charlie's angels didn't mm-hmm. know that i didn't um, know that <laughs> she played a character called doris lol um, <laughs> um what a great name yeah, and then she was also in the sequel, but she's not titled. She's not. She's not listed as Doris. She's listed as woman at crime scene, uncredited. So I don't know whether that was supposed to be some kind of little Easter egg. No, probably be what I notice happens a lot that it will have been the same casting director, and she must have just been someone that the casting director really liked working with, mm-hmm. and so it was just that will just stick you in again to get you another credit on your thing. Because there's the casting director that worked on the office. She went on and has done loads of casting in film and TV. But I do often notice that, like, the same faces always pop up in, like, mm-hmm. the stuff that they do. Because why wouldn't they? You know, if you trust someone, you trust someone. Yeah, and casting directors are very big um, advocates for, for actors. And they mm-hmm. know that a lot of the time it is based on credits when it comes to the big yeah. execs and getting you um, bigger roles. You know, you need to mm-hmm. have the stuff behind you. So they'll, if they like you, they they will want to push you into things because then um, there's more of an opportunity that when it comes, you know, full circle, yeah. you'll be able to go, oh, yeah, cast this person because they've had X, Y, and Z on their, um, mm-hmm. on their CV. I didn't realise that she voiced... Um, DNA me in Kim Possible. Did you ever watch Kim Possible? No, that was slightly <laughs> after my time. I'm aware of it, but I didn't realise she did a voice in it. <laughs> yeah, I was reading through and I was like, oh my God. <laughs> it was like, as a big Kim Possible fan, I was like thrown. I was like, DNA me? No way. Um, and then I sort of heard the voice in my brain and I was like, yep, there it is. Um, <laughs> but yeah, she just doesn't, she sort of, her career doesn't really take off until. 2011 and with mm-hmm. bridesmaids and the thing with bridesmaids as well is she got nominated for an academy award for that and that I was know. kind of quite a um surprise nomination to a certain extent very it's... unheard of for anything comedy to get noticed but particularly like those sort of very crude late night comedies mm-hmm. which is what bridesmaids is on the surface mm-hmm. to have a performance like that nominated was beyond and I remember like this was before I was even really like um as fixated on film as I am now um and even that like at that point I was like oh wow like that's pretty impressive that Mm. she must have been good and then I remember watching the film and when I first watched Bridesmaids I was like what's going on she's she's shitting in the street what's going on (laughs) and then I've watched it again since and I find so (laughs) like comedy and um joy in it it's ridiculous but it's so quotable i think i quote it constantly Mm -hmm. um and it is and her performance is great i think her speech where she's given like the tough love (laughs) oh it's so that's what i that's the scene in which i was like okay i love her character um i i I adore Kristen wig like she's my favorite actress i'd say like or top top three or top five um so, like, I was there for Kristen Wiig, but, like, the scenes that they share together as well, because Kristen Wiig is so awkward. Mm-hmm. And Melissa McCarthy's character just has this insane confidence. You're like, where the hell does this come from? Yeah. So they just pair off against each other so brilliantly. She's like, I know where the nukes are hidden. Don't tell anyone <laughs> I said that. <laughs> like, and the delivery of it as well. Like, she delivers it so well. And, and no, this is... I took 12 puppies. 12 puppies is too many puppies. <laughs> 
the thing is, like, this is why I think she became the face of female comedy, like the, mm-hmm. the female face of comedy, sorry, because she was so good and is so good at delivering those lines with such sincerity. Because I think something that I was always taught during my acting training was that when, when you're doing comedy, you don't play it for laughs. You play it as sincere as possible because the character believes it, right? They yeah, they're believe- not waiting for a laugh track. Yeah, they're not like, they're not pausing for effect. It's like they're they're plowing through the speech because they believe what they're saying. That in itself is what makes it funny. And she's got that down to a T. And like I said earlier, with um, when we were talking about cook off, just no inhibitions at all, or at least it seems like she doesn't. And she's just like she'll throw herself into the weirdest situations, um, and she'll absolutely smash it every single time. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, you've bought me background. Maybe she'll be good as Ursula. <laughs> <laughs> I'll have to once we once the films come out. I feel like I'll just have to message you and be like, "So, what did we think?" <laughs> yeah, I just need to need to be a big girl and go and see it and go in with my mind open and yeah. you know, my, my heart open. <laughs> but I, yeah, I'm definitely excited to see her as Ursula. And I, you know, the most recent thing I saw her in. Um, did you watch Nine Perfect Strangers that was on Amazon Prime? Gave up after the first episode. Did you? Interesting. I did. It didn't work for me. It... I had nothing to do with her. I just didn't like any of them. <laughs> They're all quite <laughs> insufferable. Um, yeah. <laughs> I, I watched the whole thing because I was kind of, I reached a point where I was like, I actually, you know when you're you're kind of watching something because you, you actually just need to know what's going to happen at the end. She was really good in that. She played the role really well. I do agree with you though that they were all pretty insufferable people. Um, but yeah, there's so much when I was scrolling through, I was like, there's so much that I just, I need to watch. There's so much that I need to see. Yeah. And I think top of the list after your, um, you know, you saying how brilliant it is, is can you ever forgive me? Yeah, absolutely. It should be top of your list. And I think I'm going to, I'm quickly looking through. I think top of my list might actually be Tammy just to, mm. you know, let's find out if the rumours are true. <laughs> let's make our own decisions about things for once let's not let's not base it on other people let's decide ourselves i mean what we should both watch is the life of david gale but i don't mm. want to watch kevin space although well, i don't want to watch kevin spacey but it does all have also have kate winslet and laura linney in it i know i did look at the cast and like you see Ooh. kevin spacey and you're like Ugh. no thank you yeah. um i literally cannot watch anything with him in it now <laughs> but Part of me wants to at least see where Melissa McCarthy is in The Life mm-hmm. of David Gale. Because um, yeah. it'd be so funny if we watch it. She's literally the most crucial part in the film. And I was just like, we can't watch this film because she's barely going to be in it. <laughs> <laughs> but I literally could not find a single clip of her online. I went onto YouTube and I was like typing in everything you could think of to try and find a clip of her in this film. Nothing was coming up. I was it's like, just okay. such an odd film to be so highly rated. Yeah, well, this is the thing when I was watching, because there are certain actors where, it's, as you were saying, you know, earlier, they, they get their break a little bit later on in life. And so some of their earlier stuff, they may have been in like a really highly rated film, but in the mm-hmm. background somewhere. And, yeah. and that ends up being their highest rated. And it is funny how, because of the concept of this podcast, like you have that top and bottom and it could be anywhere in their mm. career. It could be last week that their worst or highest rated film came out, or it could be, you know, you know, over a decade ago. <laughs> oh, <God. laughs> um, 
or it could come out a decade later like cook-off who knows <laughs> um are there any other obviously well it seems like can you ever forgive me as one of your favorites of hers but are there any others that are your favorite films of hers it's ghostbusters and bridesmaids you know yeah. i think i've said that already i just love them they're funny they're comfort films um they've both got Kristen Wiig in it just let Kristen Wiig be awkward around men she fancies that's all I need (laughs) Kristen Wiig is all of us (laughs) which I have to ask this question we kind of we've kind of answered it already but it's the whole concept of the podcast uh which (laughs) film did you prefer I preferred St Vincent Thank God. Um, just imagine <laughs> at the end of this, you go, psych, I actually has, love cook-off. Has that happened yet? No. <laughs> <Nah>. <laughs> but yeah, for me as well, St. Vincent was my favourite. It made me cry. It was very sentimental and cute and just nice, warm, fuzzy film to watch yeah. on a rainy day. <laughs> Absolutely. I always like to ask people if there's anybody else that they think I should talk about on this podcast so is there anybody else that you think i should talk about well now i just want you to talk about Kristen wig so i can yeah. come back and talk about Kristen wig fabulous um, that's one guest sorted because <laughs> i'm trying to think i think it's fascinating to do people like that and people like who's the fellow i brought up earlier whose name is falling out of my head star is born oh um, bradley cooper yeah i think it's really fascinating when you do look at people like that who have had such long and varied careers that people don't know about so yeah they would be my suggestions christian wig and bradley cooper cool well you can come back for both of those and then i don't have to worry about finding any guests <laughs> but no i would love to talk about Kristen wig and, and bradley cooper because again like you say it's interesting you know i like seeing these actors who get a little bit of a a, a pick up in their career later on in life i think another mm-hmm. perfect example of that is olivia coleman um mm-hmm. as well mm. i'd love to have an episode about her because she again do you know well in the uk we kind of all knew her as like the tv Peep girl show. yeah <laughs> but then she just sort of hit this stride in america and yeah. you know just hollywood in general now um and i always find that really fascinating um mm-hmm. overall but yes um do you want to tell everybody where they can find you online on the socials yeah so you can find me at claire ellen hope claire with no i uh, on twitter and instagram and you can sometimes find me at the w rated pod on twitter um and when we release episodes at w rated podcast where we watch the worst rated movies as voted on imdb's bottom 100 um we just finished at time of recording our mini golden raspberry season where we watched every film nominated for a golden raspberry this year and that was fun actually not as bad as you'd think much better than last year last year's that was rough um and so we're hoping to be back with new episodes towards the end of the summer yeah and i I remember listening to your um episode about the brats movie Um, (laughs) i I found that hilarious because i sort of both hate and love that brass film. <laughs> I, I would I feel bad because I remember being very harsh about it and I do feel like I need to give it another go it just wasn't for me but I know if I'd have seen it 15 years earlier I probably would have been all over it <laughs> have you had um have you had movie 40 is it movie 43 it's on, not on um, the list is it not wait sorry 
pause. It's not on the list. Not on the list. Oh my god. So the thing with the IMDb bottom 100 list is it has to be voted by users of IMDb mm-hmm. and it has to have, I think it's something like 25,000. I might have made that up, but it's a, it's a hefty amount of reviews. So there are a lot of films like that that you would expect to be on there that are so well known for being terrible, except because they're known for being terrible, people don't watch them. Ah. There's a trick. So what we find <laughs> is you get a lot of big popular things like Bratz that would have been popular at the time, like Batman and Robin, mm-hmm. uh, Britney Spears' Crossroads, <laughs> um, <laughs> and uh, just a lot of like the big parody movies from the early 2000s, like mm-hmm. those ones that loads of people would have gone to the cinema because they were marketed as like being big, hilarious comedies and then people are mm-hmm. mad about and rate them on IMDb. <laughs> yeah. Okay, well, that makes a bit more sense. Um, at least you may never have to watch. Movies. Yeah, I've been saved from that one. <laughs> you've been, you have, well, yeah, trust me, you've been saved. <laughs> <laughs> awful, awful film. Um, but yes, thank you so much for joining me today. I really enjoyed our conversation. I'm yes. so thrilled to have had the opportunity to sit and talk all things Melissa McCarthy. Yes. Um, hopefully, you can come back on the show, and when you do, you won't have hated The Little Mermaid. <laughs> <laughs> We'll all do a welfare check on Claire whenever The Little Mermaid comes out. <laughs> just everybody go on Twitter and just double check she's okay. Everything's fine. Carla turned in... into... Oh, turned into an incel. I don't see how ruined my childhood. <laughs> knocking on Disney's door. Excuse me, how dare you? Uh, <laughs> please, hopefully, sending prayers up to whoever's listening. <laughs> Let the Little Mermaid be good. Just if anything, for Claire's sake. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Um, as always, you can follow the podcast um, at Better Bad Pod on Twitter and Instagram. You can follow me, uh, Jess underscore Rolland on Twitter or Jess Rolland on Instagram. Uh, we've got a lot of exciting episodes coming up. I hope you all enjoyed listening to this. I certainly enjoyed talking about these films. I'd recommend you don't watch Cook Off, but here we are. If you do want to, if you've been following along with all the films, I'm sorry. Um, but we will be back next time. And I want to just say thank you all for listening to Better Than Bad. Join me next time on Better Than Bad when I'll be joined by Brett and we'll be discussing Timothy Chalamet's highest and lowest rated films. We'll be talking about Dune or June, depending on how you pronounce it, and True Deception. See you next time.